Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Awaken Your Inner Awesomeness. I am your host, Melissa Oatman from MelissaOatman.com. I am super excited today because we have a very special guest with us. We have Nathaniel Garrett Novosel. He's an author. He wrote the book, uh, The X Factor, which is a new book that's just been out that's on the Amazon bestseller list and also the meaning of life. And today he is going to be talking to us about the factors that define someone's sense of purpose and sense of purpose can mean a lot of things. So we're gonna dive into that and see exactly what that means. So I wanna thank you so much for being here with us today, Nathaniel. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, so this topic is a very interesting topic. And also I think probably one that maybe some people might have a little confusion over. So. I know you were going to get into explaining what the meaning of life actually means, but before you get down to the nitty gritty telling us those eight factors and what it really means, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to what you're doing right now? Sure. So the journey started when I was five. Um, I know that's kind of young, but um, my uh, father disappeared in the middle of the night when I was five. Now, I don't remember what that was like because that's when your memories are starting to form but i do know when i was six a year later um my 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 dad reached out six months after he disappeared and said hey i'm you know now living in california and uh, we went out there for three weeks and two days and when i came back uh from that trip i mean i cried when i left because i'd never been away from my mother before but when I came back from my father, it was like someone ripped my heart out of my chest. Like I felt empty and miserable and just like everything was terrible. And I cried myself to sleep. And I just remember sitting there staring at the ceiling, just bawling my eyes out and going, what is the point of all this? We're going to suffer like this. This is terrible. Yeah. And the back of my mind triggered, you know, like a lot of people do when they're in their worst moments. Um, but the back of my mind was unique. My, the back of my mind is kind of robotic in nature. And so it was like, that's a fascinating question. I wonder if you could answer that. <laughs> and I'm like crying. It's like, what's wrong with you? But uh, um, I, I, it was that moment that I was like, I bet you you can answer that. I'd, li I'd, I'd like to try. So I spent decades studying everything under the sun, philosophy, psychology, uh, human behavior, uh, economics and business and um, uh, religions and uh, spirituality and all these different things trying to figure out, okay, what is, what is the point? And everyone had their own answers and all these other things. Um, but uh, it didn't occur to me, but about 20 years later, I was changing jobs. And um, I, I was going to say, what it, wisdom would I would impart on someone from all these decades of, of, of what I've learned about, uh, uh, about all of this? And all of a sudden, these like concepts started popping up in my head and saying, well, you need to have desire, you need to have belief, and you have to have those two things to achieve your goals. And I started going and I'm like, oh, my God, like, this is a set of universal factors that go into and that originally was like I was kind of going for success but then I was like well what's the point of it all what's success and I was like oh it's close it's growth it's uh, you're supposed to, to grow and, and improve and I was like oh my God, like <laughs> the, the meaning of life. And it's like, like it's all popped into my head uh, over time. And I was like, this is amazing. I should write this down. So I spent seven years writing the book. Um, uh, and then I just finished, I published it last year. And uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty amazing journey, but uh, I did find an answer and uh, one that's based on science and also underlies all religion and philosophy. So, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I'm gutsy enough to say I do know the meaning of life. Uh, strange, but, but true. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, because not a lot of people can say that. Mm -hmm. So 
Um, you were going to talk to us about the factors that drive someone's sense of purpose, but I think we need to go back and first explain what does sense of purpose mean? Like, what is life purpose? Yeah, yeah, it's a really good question. And it's the, the foundation of everything, because um, a lot of people, when they say meaning of life, they have a bunch of different definitions and people use different definitions when they say that. So uh, the ones that we're not going to use today are the goal of life, because goals are subjective. Uh, you pick something you want to attain and you go and attain it, and then you pick another goal. There is no ultimate goal. Everybody's like, well, what, you know, that's, that, that's what I mean. It's like, okay, well, um, there's this video game civilization that I, that I loved when I was a kid. And, and then now they have the like number six out or something now, but uh, the, the, the goal of that game was to build a spaceship and fly to Alpha and Centauri and then start a new, new civilization there and our colony or whatever you want to call it. And uh, uh, then the credits roll. And I, I just to show you why there is no ultimate goal in life, let's say that was it. Let's say, hey, we're going to build spaceships, we're going to go to Alpha and Centauri, then we're going to land there, and then we're going to settle there. And the, 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 the first thing someone's going to ask is, and then what? And that's a good question because there is no ultimate goal. So that's out. The other one is what's the cause of life? Um, you know, it could be, uh, you know, God, it could be Big Bang, it could be a bunch of different things. I don't know. You can't scientifically prove it. Um, so I, I leave that out. So it really comes down, there are three definitions that are scientifically provable and that you can use to, <laughs> to understand it. There's the definition of life, the purpose of life, and the what makes life significant. Now, the definition of life, you can go look it up. The capacity to grow is in literally in the definition of, of, of life. You cannot define life without using the word growth. Um, and then the second one, purpose, all living organisms, we all know from um, uh, from from Darwin that they you know survival of the fittest uh, the ones that don't die carry on but why do they carry on <laughs> they carry on to grow they reproduce right you 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 are born you grow you reproduce then you die and then your next generation continues to grow and, and so on and so forth perpetually um, and or in perpetuity uh, and then third and finally is the significance um, what we mean by that is what do people deemed to be significant. And basically, it's all growth based. If you win an award, it's because you push that field or industry or, or whatever forward or art form forward, right? Mm -hmm. You changed the game, you 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 made it completely different. Um, I always joke, if, if you win an Academy Award, like the person wins the Academy Award, the movie doesn't win the Academy. Like, it's not like you hand it to the DVD a copy yeah. of it and say, well, there you go. Congratulations. Uh, the people who made the film go up to the front and they win the award. Why? Because they grew, they went on the journey to create something that no one has ever seen before, some amazing thing. So growth satisfies those three definitions and therefore growth is the meaning of life. Um, now, the question is, is that all? And the answer is no. That's why you need the other seven uh, factors, but I'll pause there. So we got our, our definition straight there. Okay. Yeah, I love that. Um, I definitely think that life is all about growth and that mm -hmm. that should be a constant thing as you go through life is the growing. So, okay, we've got the definition down. So what yeah. comes next? So that, so growth is the first of the, of the eight uh, factors in a sense of purpose. Uh, if you are growing in something that's meaningful to you, generally you'll find your life to be significant. However, notice I have to qualify it by something meaningful for, to you because you could just like sit there and curl your finger a hundred times and then tomorrow you can do it 101 times and go, oh, look, I grew. And you don't care because that's such a trivial thing to, to, to yeah. you or to most people. Uh, although I guess if you're recovering from something, that would be a phenomenal thing. So it's, you know, it's all relative. 
But um, there are, are seven other factors that help figure out how to grow in a way that feels meaningful. Um, so the meaning of life is growth. That's factor one. Factor, and we can go through these in detail, but let me just summarize them. Uh, factor two is experience. Experience is the medium through which all growth occurs. You have to have experience in order to grow. The third factor is desire. Desire is what drives you, motivates you, directs you uh, to which direction you want to go in in terms of growth and helps you figure out which experiences you need to, or what experiences you want to have to grow in where you want to grow. So, you know, if you want to play football, you gotta go practice, right? So, okay, I gotta want to go and practice my throw. Uh, fourth is belief. So belief is what sustains you toward your goal through adversity. <laughs> you have to believe you could do it or you won't. In fact, the lack of belief will squelch your desire no matter how strong. Fifth is emotions. Emotions are feedback mechanism telling you how your desires, beliefs, and experiences are aligned. If you want something and believe you can have it, and then you have the experience of having it, you feel wonderful. If you uh, want something, but you don't believe you can have it, you feel miserable. So that's how emotions are providing feedback. Uh, the sixth is ethics. Ethics are the means through which you achieve goals uh, and achieve your growth without hurting other people. Mm -hmm. uh, now that's part of two factors that go in, you can call it cooperation if you'd like, uh, but, but six is ethics. And that means don't hurt people basically and do things that are gonna optimize your growth. And then uh, support, which is number seven, is work with other people to grow more than you would by yourself. Imagine the pyramids or a self-driving car. Imagine trying to do that yourself. It would take you eons. <laughs> so you need more than one person, more than one people, more growth. And then finally is choice. Uh, and it's a great way to end the book, uh, but basically ultimately you decide uh, how your life moves forward. Yes, there are things outside your control like your genetics. Um, however, there are things outside your control or things inside your control. And basically your actions are what you can, uh, under what things you can control, determine your destiny. And that's that. I mean, yeah, yeah maybe your parents did this or the, something did that, or maybe you got struck by lightning. Anything could happen, but the only thing you control is, is what you can control. And that's your choice that you make every day on what you choose to focus on, what you choose to do. And so who cares what the, you know, I didn't, the uncontrollable factors are, because by definition, you can't control them. Focus on the choices you can make and make good ones. Don't use the uncontrollable stuff uh, as an excuse to make bad decisions, which a lot of people do. Yeah, I see that a lot. I that makes total sense that a lot of people, um, well, I think a lot of people use that uncontrollable stuff as an excuse to not learn, not grow, because it's easier to stay in the victim mindset and mentality. And, and so I, I can totally see how this is all starting to come together to, mm -hmm. um, help someone figure out what their sense of purpose actually would be. So let's yep. go back in and break that down now um, through each step if we could a little bit more, sure. if you don't mind. Yeah. So you have the first step, which is growth. Mm -hmm. And I saw something on your website too. You had a checklist mm -hmm. where you kind of help people. To me, as I was looking through it, I was like, oh, this is kind of showing people like, am I really learning and growing through situations or do I stay stagnant and I just kind of let life happen to me? 
yeah, it's a, it's an assessment. Uh, one one reason for the assessment is I actually put it before and after the book, so the assessments are in there. And I did it because I wanted to have some sort of scientific proof that the book actually led to better outcomes. So I even put it on the site. You can take the assessment before you read the book and after you read the book, and then rate yourself. And hopefully it goes up because <laughs> that's the whole point. Um, I love but, that. Though. Uh, I love kind of the self-assessment on that too. I think that's a great piece to it. Yeah, but but basically what what that assessment does is it 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 tests things. It just asks you basic questions like, uh, I believe that my um, my life tomorrow will be better than it is today. I mean, metaphorically, not literally tomorrow versus today, but in the future than than it is now. Um, and that's one of the examples that you're uh, that's your level of testing, your level of optimism. Your uh, your it's testing your belief in future. Uh, a future that's uh, better off, uh, uh, that you believe in your own personal growth and that your your uh, ability to improve your life. Um, and so there are a bunch of questions like that. Like I I feel strong desire for the things of basically testing those eight things, uh, but not directly. It asks uh, questions that that get at it. So it's not. I mean, you, you could obviously. Uh, I'm I'm not a, a I'm, I'm not doing this as a psychological study, so I'm not trying to like eliminate all you know uh, uh, you know uh, uh, effects uh, uh, external externalities, but but uh, you know for yourself just to make sure you're you're answering honestly and, and know where you want to improve. And what's great is that each of those questions I even write at after. The assessment says go to this chapter if you have some issues with this like if you don't have the belief that you can you change that. your goals <laughs> i was yeah. just going to ask you that so you walk through these eight factors and then through this assessment if there are areas where people know like oh, i really have a weakness here like i don't believe in myself very much or mm -hmm. um i I don't know what I want to do. The desire portion is really low for me. So you then take them to that chapter where you, and in the book, do you teach them how to um, improve those areas that maybe they consider to be weaknesses? Yes, uh, absolutely. Um, because I'll give you a couple examples. Desire is one, like, you know, one of the things, oh, I don't really feel like I want anything in life. And uh, the, there are two little tricks that I have in the book. Uh, one is if you don't know what you want, then you still have a desire. You want to know what you want. Ta-da, there you go. You have a desire. So there you go. So, so you don't, you're not without desire. No one, no one, there's no one who wants nothing. That's a, that a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of Eastern philosophy that talks about how like to eliminate all desires, like some, some virtue or something like that. And I'm not a, not a big fan of that, <laughs> but uh, uh, their point is you want to get rid of desire. That's, that's causing you pain by, by wanting something you can't have kind of thing. And I get that. And there's, there's, there's benefits to that, um, that I even talk about in the book, but, but in terms of having no desire, that's, that's, that's impossible. You want to, you're going to want to have a sandwich or whatever at some point, because you, or else you're going to die. Um, so I talk about how you want to know what you want. Uh, and then I also have a little bit of a, of a trick of just like, um, you know, just, just do things, like try things, experiment with new things and see what, what triggers your desire to do more of it. And that's the problem. A lot of people say they don't know what they want. And it's like, then they sit there paralyzed and it's like, well, maybe you got to go find out what you want. You know, you can't just sit around and hope it comes to you in a, in a dream or something. Um, so there are a couple of, a couple of ways to do that. Um, the belief is a, is another good one where 
uh, you know, desire belief exists on a, on a continuum. So there could be a, the, the higher the goal, the more you want it, the less you believe it. The lower the goal, the more you believe it, the less you want. <laughs> so it's like, I can go get something out of my fridge. Now I believe I could do that because I could literally walk over there right now. Um, do I want to do that? Well, yeah, when I'm hungry, but uh, you know, it's not like, you know, I'm not dreaming every moment. Like, I can't wait till I go open my fridge. Like, no, it's more something like, oh, I can't wait till I win a race or I can't wait till I do this or that. So um, your goal is to constantly find ways to increase your desire uh, without decreasing your belief too much. Um, so a lot of people do that. I'm sure you've heard a ton of self-help examples, like people say set milestones and things uh, mm -hmm. to keep you motivated. Because if you set your goal too high and then fail along the way, you're gonna go, oh, it's so far and I messed up, I'm gonna give up. But if you have milestones, and when you have adversity, go, well, I just need to make it two more feet and I'll get to that milestone, no problem. Um, so it's just ways that makes your journey more believable. Um, and then, but other times people tell you to dream big. Why? Because they want you to have such a huge goal that it just, the, the desire for it encompasses your whole being and you are so motivated to go do it that nothing will stop you. And those are all tricks of the trade to, to work on that desire belief balance. I can definitely see the parallel between those two things. Um, what do you think is probably the biggest one that people struggle with? Is it the, the belief system? Oh, man. Um, well, if you want to go uh, as a proxy for how long the chapter is, uh, ethics is the longest chapter. Uh, I apologize to everyone in advance when, when they go to read it because it's 80 pages long. And I tried. I said I could, I, I could cut it down and I can cut it half. Uh, but uh, if I do, it's not going to give you the whole story of how to think about ethics. So I, I made the call and said, eh. You know what? You don't want it. You see, skip the chapter. You know, <laughs> no one's making, no one's putting a gun in your head to read it. Um, but I think ethics are the hardest, especially today, because what people people have this huge mistake about ethics. Um, well, they have a few few mistakes about ethics, but the biggest one today is they think that like here's the ethical standard we hold today, and therefore everybody before you was a monster. And it's like, that's not how it works. Ethics evolve. Ethics are not these universal things that like everybody should just intuitively understand. And if they did, then they would all live perfectly. And everyone who doesn't follow that standard that you said is, is a monster. Uh, that is completely not true. And I give an example to really prove, because, you know, I, uh, it's very important to me in the book, I, I actually have a section of each chapter that talks about what would happen if you didn't have this thing. So like, for example, uh, there are... Um, uh, uh, sociopaths who don't have emotions, you know, <laughs> so, so it's like I talk about the, uh, the exceptions of people who don't have these things and how it affects their ability to find meaning in their lives and things like that. Um, so I, I'm a big fan of trying to disprove stuff or fail to disprove stuff, uh, to be exact. Um, and so, you know, when you're talking about uh, ethics and they say, oh, there's always existed. Imagine, you know, is it wrong to make your kids go into the same field as you, the same, same job or career? Now you would, or anyone today, I don't mean I'm not picking on you, would probably say, well, yeah, that's probably wrong because that people should find their own paths. I'm like, okay, that's fair. But imagine you're in like, I don't know, 1400s, 1200s, go, go however far back you want to go. Now imagine you're a small business, which is almost impossible in these societies that are, you know, uh, 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 you know, um, uh, uh, you know, these um, 
monarchies and things and they're oppressing everybody and so forth uh, and you have a small business let's say you're blacksmith or something and like you've got eight kids ten kids uh and so you've got the 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 oldest uh oldest son let's just say and that person's being raised uh in in the father's footsteps in this example of the blacksmith um and that and that and that son goes oh actually i want to go dance like is it is it ethical for that kid to abandon the the family to go do whatever he wants when there are 10 kids and there it's so hard to, to have a business and that business is going to go go under and and everyone's going to die and starve no it's not ethical to do that you, you suck it up and you do what's right for your family right. um so like ethics change you know <laughs> they change over time uh, and so and then the situations change um so it's hard to look back and everyone's like judging everybody um uh you know we live in a world today where everyone wants to judge everybody else for not living up to their to these ideals and it's like look you know uh, ethics change things things change a lot of people uh, think that like imprisonment and things like that is, is terrible but imagine if you go back to to you know a thousand years ago and you fight a war and you can you have a lot of prisoners of war uh and uh you keep them uh and then well you got to feed them you don't want them to just starve to death i maybe have that ethic uh but then you can't afford to feed them because you have a small group so what do you do you put them to work against their will yeah. that is the best thing to do in that situation but now we live in a society of abundance where you don't have to force these people who are imprisoned to work and so they just sit there and you just keep them away from society and you feed them and you clothe them and do all that other stuff, but you don't force them to work. So was it always wrong for them to be forced to work? I'd say, uh, obviously, if you go back a thousand years, that was the most ethical thing to do so that they don't die, so you don't kill them, and so that you don't starve anyone else who was innocent, um, feeding the people who, who did wrong. So like ethics change, and, and, and people really struggle with that because they might find their own ethics, and I try to help them with the chapter, uh, but then it just becomes hard because once you've established your own ethics, you then seem to want to impart your ethics on everyone else and then force everyone to follow them, and that's not necessarily, um, and judge everybody for not following your standards and uh that's that's a tough one yeah that is definitely a tough one and i think a lot of people have the fallacy that we all think exactly alike and that's mm -hmm. not true um but most people want to think that you know everyone else thinks just like them yeah. but then i think we see especially in today's society we're seeing that that's definitely not the case yeah. <laughs> a lot of people are disagreeing and um a lot of conflict going on so it's just proof that again everyone's ethics are different so yeah. what some people deem to be fair and right and just others do not so that is a yeah. very good point so i see why your chapter was 80 pages long on yeah <laughs> yeah i talk about positive ethics and negative ethics and and where the line is that and i even talk about what ethics are biological there are three ethics that are biological um and this is fun i don't get i don't give anyone a set of ethics it's one of my rules one of my ethics if you will uh for writing my book is that everybody seems to have their own set of ethics they want to impart on anyone else like i just said i didn't want to do that I said look you figure out your own ethics you just know you got to have them um, and I give my, my favorite example is, uh, I mentioned the significance definition of meaning, and, uh, but the example I give is who belongs in the Baseball Hall of Fame in the steroid era. And that's just one of the best examples because some people say that the people who did steroids do belong in there, other people say they don't. And here's why, here's why. This, is, this is proof of the significance definition of meaning, meaning growth, and, and how ethics can detract from that. Uh, that basically the people who say they belong in there they you say well it was fair because everybody was doing it that's a rationalization saying that the doing the steroids was ethical or at least not unethical i should say yeah. and then there are people who say no they don't belong because there are people who were 
who weren't doing the steroids and they did well and they deserve to be in the hall, but the people who did do steroids cheated unfair, unethical achievement in the goal. And so therefore their achievements don't count. They're not significance. They don't mean what they mean. Get it? See, see where it's going there? So the ethics can take away the meaning of something because you don't believe it was attained fairly or rightfully. And so the biological three uh, that are, are there, but otherwise, otherwise I don't touch what, what ethics you should hold, are fairness, reciprocity, and minimal harm to things you care about. Those are the three uh, ethics that are biological. Because if you don't have those, uh, then humanity can't exist as a social species. Because if you can't trust another person, then you can't you know, let them in and, and, and cooperate with them. And right. if you're not fair, if you don't reciprocate, and if you don't not harm them, you know, <laughs> yeah. then uh, that or so did I say that wrong? If you don't, I did that was a double negative. If you don't, uh, yeah, if you don't, yeah, okay. If you don't do those things, then you'll, um, uh, then, then they can't trust you. So they, so you can't cooperate. So those are the three that are biological in nature and necessary for humanity <laughs> and society. Um, but I don't, I don't judge otherwise and say, well, you thou shalt not do this or that. Yeah, I like that because you're so right in that everyone has to come up with their own sense of ethics. Um, what for you is probably the most interesting factor of helping to um, define your sense of purpose? Yeah, um, I mean, probably the most interesting one is emotions for three reasons. One, it's a hugely contrarian statement to say happiness is not the meaning of life by doing there, uh, and I explain why. Second is I have a formula for emotions that I've never seen before that I, I guess that means I've invented it, I don't know, but it's, 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 it's flawless, like it, there's no exception to it about why you feel what you feel. Uh, and it helps you to figure out things. And then third, in terms of, of its how to get your sense of purpose, you, you you have to try things and then feel whether they're right for you. And so that's one of the it's the it's the best mechanism to tell if you're on the right track, because that's what the that's what the point of emotions uh, is. Um, so I, that's probably the most interesting one. So let me give you an example of those three things. So happiness is not the, the meaning of life. I can say that definitively. That the more accurate uh, statement is do what makes you happy. A lot of people say the meaning of life is to do what makes you happy. That's accurate. People say the meaning of life is to be happy is actually false. And, and there's, a, there's a, a bunch of ways to disprove that. The number one is they've actually uh, managed to hook up to a human being's a pleasure sensor of the brain, uh, a, a um, oh, what do you call those things? Electrodes, uh, electrode, where they can trigger your pleasure sensor forever. And you would just sit there and feel total bliss until you die of starvation or thirst or whatever it is uh, that you're not doing because you're just sitting there feeling great. Yeah. Um, so you can feel great for the rest of your short life uh, if you wanted to. That's not the point. If there, if it was, then that's what everyone would be doing. <laughs> it's not the, it's not the point. Obviously, you're just, just sit there and you're not just sit there pleasure. Uh, you're sitting there uh, uh, just, just, just feeling good and doing nothing. Um, that's, that's ridiculous. So happiness is not in and of itself uh, uh, the, the point. But the other reason, more importantly, is here's why it's not the point. It can be logically derived as well, uh, other than just disproved. Um, and let me, I, let, let me ask you a question. What is the point of going to school? um to learn and gain knowledge which also helps you to grow exactly so why did you not say to get an a <laughs> because it a doesn't really hold much value i mean it's to me there were classes where i got a's so i didn't learn anything 
Exactly. So A's are supposed to be an indicator that you've learned, but it's not the point. Although people make it the point once it becomes a thing. And that's what happiness is. So emotions are an indicator of feedback of your degree and direction and velocity of growth or harm. So fear is, oh, I'm worried about being harmed. Excitement is I'm looking forward to something great. Uh, pain is I'm being hurt. Happiness or love or whatever is I'm I'm you know feeling my true uh, growth uh, self, and so that it's a feedback mechanism, but it's not the point. And you can tell from that school analogy, you totally get it. You can hack your emotions, like I just said. You can also do drugs and all kind of ton, ton of other things to make yourself quote unquote happy. But right. it doesn't necessarily just like you can cheat to get an A. <laughs> it doesn't mean you actually <laughs> learn anything. Right. And so learning is the point. The A is not the point, but it becomes the point when you start to measure it. Um, same thing. Growth is the point. Happiness is an indicator that you're growing and thriving. You can then hack it and you can cheat. And it's not the point. And that's not the point. That doesn't make it the point. And so I love that. Um, but um, the other thing is, and I'll pause, is the, the formula I mentioned. So uh, the formula for emotions, it's a formula. It it's, it's, uh, works every time. There's no exception to it. Um, emotions are a combination of three things. And, and you'll see it's the other three of the other factors. Uh, desire plus belief plus experience. That can explain every emotion you've ever had in your entire life. And, and you could have combinations of those things creating conf conflicting emotions. But just to give an example, uh, so let's take jealousy. Jealousy, you want a thing or person. You believe that you deserve that thing or person. <laughs> you believe, more importantly, that some other person does not deserve that thing or person. <laughs> and then you see the experience. You see the person with that thing or person that you want and you don't have, and you're really, really jealous because you want that thing or person. And here's the proof how your emotions change, which is if you change any parts of that formula. First of all, if you didn't want the thing, you wouldn't be jealous because you wouldn't care. Yeah. Uh, if you weren't looking at that person, you wouldn't feel as jealous because you wouldn't be hitting you in the face. And then most importantly, the belief, if you actually believe that that person deserved it, you would not be feeling jealousy. You'd be feeling admiration. Admiration is the same thing as jealousy with that one belief change that you are happy for that person because you know that that person deserves it. And you hope one day that you could grow into the person that could have that person or thing too. And that's what emotions are telling you. They're giving you that feedback and, and to be able to use that formula. I mean, people always said I was in touch with my emotions and I was like, yeah, this is easy. I know why I'm feel everything. And so whenever I wrote it down, I'm like, oh my God, anyone who has trouble with their emotions, just fill out the equation. It's literally an algebra uh, equation that you can just plug in for X. What do I want? Well, plug in for X. So what do I believe? Plug in for X. You can just, uh, you can just put in um, a, 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 a variable there and then just figure out what you're, you're feeling or how, what you're feeling is telling you what you want, believe, or are experiencing. I like that. And I really think that's going to help people who are more, I think, like maybe logical brained and math oriented. I was never one of those people, but I love the little formula because I think that that's super helpful. I think a lot of people um, will be triggered and have emotions and not really know why they're coming up and what it's really all about. So that would be a very helpful formula for trying to figure that out. Like, why am I feeling this way? What is causing this? And then that leads to, well, what is it that I really want? So I think that helps with that too and guiding you in that direction. Yeah. And so why it's the most interesting to me is that growth is by definition constantly changing. So you don't have one meeting in life. That's another misnomer, kind of with the, the one final goal. Like, oh, like I always use the example of, uh, of because um, he just retired, um, uh, 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 
Oh God, uh, Peyton Manning, uh, Peyton Manning and say Peyton Manning, one of the best quarterbacks ever live uh, was the best. And now I guess uh, getting surpassed by Tom Brady, but uh, 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 he's done with his career. So should he just go and crawl in a hole and die now because he achieved his, 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 his <laughs> meaning in life, which was to be a great quarterback. Of course not. Uh, <laughs> he goes, he's a great pitch man. He's a businessman. He's helping others. He's volunteering. He's doing the ESPN show. He's commentating. He's helping other people. He's fostering the growth of people's love for football. Like he has more in life than just being one of the greatest football players of all time. So it's silly to think that like, oh, that's it. And I'm found it. And I'm going to do that forever. Um, I mean, you're always going to grow physically until you die, uh, you know, but you're going to stop growing in height at some point because that's what people do. And so like there are, you change your growth trajectories. So the reason why I love emotions as, as my most interesting one is you need to keep listening because the reason why you shouldn't, why the meaning of life is not to be happy is because boredom is good. Boredom signals to you I'm not growing. <laughs> what I'm doing right now is not engaging me. Therefore, I need to change my behavior to find something that does. If you did not have that feeling, then you would be sitting around wasting your life and you wouldn't know anything, you know, whether it was doing anything or not. So emotions are amazing things. Yes, even the bad ones. <laughs> yeah, like you're annoyed or you're angry or whatever. Yeah, something is stopping you in your way of achieving your goals of growing in the way that you want. So you have to find a way around it uh, or through it or whatever, you know, pick your metaphor there. And so like, it's a great thing to have. And it's the signal that's always telling you whether you find something you find is, is meaningful. That's why my book, the biggest thing is I don't, I can't tell you what, you know, your meaning in life is. I list a bunch of growth areas and tell you to pick which ones you like and determine where you want to be in those areas. Um, but only your own emotional guidance system, if you will, to steal a phrase from, uh, um, from uh, 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 the law of attraction uh, uh, folks, um, your, your emotional guidance system is the only thing going to tell you uh, uh, whether you're doing something meaningful to you or not. Yeah. And now if someone were to purchase your book, and this is the book, The Meaning of Life, that you take them through each of these steps. So they, in your chapters, will read about what each of these eight factors are, and then you give them examples of them, and then how uh, they can grow in those particular factors. Is that, would that be correct? Yeah, I mean, I you do the pre-assessment. I define what I mean by meeting and get rid of the ones that you can't answer, like whether there's a God or 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 what the ultimate goal is. Then I define it in the ways I said it. Then I say here are the eight factors, you know, the eight that I take you through each one, and I go through. I have the same structure. I'm a little nuts in that regard. I, everything the exact same structure. It's the the definition of that term, uh, how it applies to all living organisms. You're welcome to skip that chapter if you don't care, <laughs> or not chapter that section if you don't care. Then I talk about how it applies to humans, then I talk about how it applies to you, then I talk about what happens if you didn't have that thing, how it would not allow you to have your sense of purpose as well, and then I talk about what to do if you're unsure, and that's that, so if you want to jump to the last one, that's fine, uh, the section of each chapter, and then I end it with questions and exercises to, 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 to take to actually help you flesh out that concept for, for you, so at the end of the book, you should have um, each of those eight concepts pretty uh, 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 well understood and then you would have applied them by asking yourself those questions and understanding those things as they apply to you. I love that. I always love guided learning. I'm a teacher also myself. So I love how you do the pre-assessment so people have an idea of kind of where they are in the beginning and then they can see how they've grown 
after going through each of those different lessons that you give them. So I think that's amazing. And uh, definitely you should check that out. That sounds really interesting. Sure. Yeah. And then, as you mentioned, uh, the, the other book I have, it just came out a couple of weeks ago, The X Factor. It's called The X Factor, The Spiritual Succe Secrets of Successful uh, uh, Executives and Entrepreneurs, if I could get that subtitle right. Um, and I wrote one chapter in it. I'm a, it's a multi-author book. And my chapter is, uh, in that book is actually a, 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 a just kind of a breakdown in more detail of how I ended the, book, the, the Meaning of Life book. Because the Meaning of Life book, I, I did a fun cop out at the end that said, in conclusion, if you want to have more meaning in your life, one word, care. <laughs> and it's a trick if, if you get where I'm tr where the trick is, care is literally the definition of caring is to assign meaning or significance to something. Yeah. And therefore you care, therefore you want to, you know, uh, that you value it, you care about it, you do something to, to, to foster its growth or, 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 or keep it uh, uh, intact. So it's, che it's cheating, but I, that's why I don't write the whole book about that. But I just end with it and say, just remember care. Uh, if you're caring about it, you give it meaning, therefore it matters to you, therefore you, you're finding it meaningful. But uh, uh, I write a chapter in that book because it's for executives and entrepreneurs. I've advised executives for uh, almost 18 years now. And, um, and, and throughout my career, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And um, it, I ended up finding out I was actually in the job I really was meant for. So I was like, oh, that's weird. But, uh, uh, but I actually talked about there are two ways to get uh, to care more about what you do. One is to find more ways to care about what you're already doing. And the second is to figure out what you quote unquote really want to do or, or want to do in the future and find ways to do more of what you like or getting you closer to the thing you care about and getting further away from stuff you don't like or doing less of what you don't like. And so I give you practical examples of how to determine uh, what it is you like about what you're doing and how to find um, uh, 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 things you might want to do in the future and use those two things to care more about, about your job. I love that. I think a lot of people would find that very useful. So um, if anyone wants to buy your books or they want to follow you or perhaps, you know, work with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Sure. So the two books are on Amazon. So you're welcome to check them out there. Uh, you can search for them. Uh, social media uh, at Life the book is most of my social media. I couldn't get that for all the platforms, but most of them. Uh, and then, um, yeah, my website is yourmeaninginlife.com. Uh, and I have a blog there. I write uh, about once a week or so. Um, it's like second or third to Mark Manson. Uh, and then um, I uh, have a bunch of freebies on there and stuff and things like that. Um, I'm not, uh, you know, in the business of trying to do these super duper seminars or anything like that right now. It's just like, hey, the book is cool. Take it, take the pre-assessment and, and uh, read the book, uh, take the pre and post assessment, read the blog, um, anything I can do to help. Uh, you know, so I do these podcasts. I'm happy to do. I love that. Well, thank you so much for, you know, doing all of that. And we're going to have all of the links in the show notes too. So people can go right there and click on it to take them directly to your website and where they can purchase your books. So I highly recommend going there because the book sounds really amazing. So I always like to end the show by asking our guests to leave our listeners with one little nugget of wisdom that they can take with them for the day. So what piece of advice would you want to leave our listeners with today? Sure. Uh, if all else fails, seek meaningful growth opportunities. That's your one beacon of light for how to find more meaning and purpose in your life. Um, and and to, to kind of build on that, 
don't uh, don't get into the to your head. The kind of the biggest problem today, people call call it a crisis crisis of meaning, is that people think like the meaning of life is to be happy, and you're just supposed to experience pleasure all the time, and go like watch videos and do this stuff, and then you feel unfulfilled, and you wonder what's going on. Seek meaningful growth opportunities. <laughs> you will find your meaning by doing that. Whether it's going to a soup ch- kitchen and help helping other people with uh, uh, you know who are having tough times, that's meaningful. If it's raising your kids well that's meaningful if it's doing a job that you care about that's meaningful like do those things those activities lead to fulfillment not pleasure and that's what you're striving for so seek meaningful growth opportunities love it love it very good advice well thank you so much for being here with us today it was so much fun talking to you yeah thank you so much I want to thank all of you for being here with us today as well. As always, if you like this podcast, please subscribe. Please leave a positive review from wherever you're listening. You can always leave some stars on iTunes. Don't forget to follow me on social media. And if you want to work with me, you can go to my website, melissaoatman.com. I want to wish everyone a beautiful day from wherever you're listening. As always, I am sending you so much love and light, and I will talk to you soon. Bye, guys.